Hey, I want to welcome everyone to the special edition of Native Roots Radio, and we are with Winona LaDuke, and we're going to be talking about the Rally for the Rivers reunion, and I'm so, so excited uh, to see you, Winona. It's a, it's a great cloud, though, and we want to get things straight and get it out to our people, what's going on, and so totally stoked to see you, and uh, we're all looking good here, but let's talk a little bit about what we're uh, going to be talking about today, Winona. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me and glad to see you too, Robert. Hey, we got some good people coming on, good water protectors, good Minnesotans, good Anishinaabe people whose crime it seems to be defending the rivers. And so this is the second anniversary of a bunch of us getting charged uh, in Aiken County um, by Aiken County. And oh gosh, there's all kind of police officers there and all kind of state highway patrol and DNR guys, all paid for by Enbridge. And um, we still got charges. I got charges. And and so I'm here because I'm wondering how come I got charges in Aiken County and Wadena County. In total, I think I got like seven charges I'm still facing. And how come Enbridge isn't facing any charges? That's kind of the question I got. And exactly. so I think there's some other people that might have some questions like, how does a company get to come in here, steal 5 billion gallons of water basically prostitute the police of the state of Minnesota, frack all those rivers and and go away and uh, they're still doing pretty good. Um, so we're here to listen to some people that were there on the rivers. It, it's, a, it's such a weird thing. And you, you know, the question mark, it should be a big question mark, Winona. We're talking about people getting charges sent to them in their mail. Um, how does that work? Charges, you, I was charged by, I think, a video of somebody who said that I, you know, you know, I mean, I think I was charged with um, not being in the right place. And, you know, I mean, I'm just like trying to figure out, like they used all kinds of ways to try to encumber people in this process. And you have to wonder if, you know, all that money that they got from Enbridge kind of, you know, made it more interesting to try to charge more people. You know, I, I don't I don't really know, but that's a question I might ask the state of Minnesota. It's like, why, why were a thousand people charged with the crime of protecting the water when the corporation that violated all of our rights, you know, is, is still, you know, got a slap on the wrist, you know, but geez, they're still operating and they're holding us all hostage. We got like pipelines all across the North, all around the Great Lakes. These guys are holding us hostage and no one wants to ask the question, like how that happened. So today we're going to talk about not only what happened, but we're going to have some lawyers on. We're going to talk about the cases, the charges, and a bunch of people like myself who were charged and are like, uh, I think I want my charges dropped and I want a medal, you know, a medal for protecting the rivers. That's what I want. Just waltz, just one more time. No charges. And I want to be honored for being a water protector, not being treated like a criminal. Exactly. Uh, you know, and there, there was ceremony going on. There was things going on. Winona, can we talk about uh, just the rudeness of the police? And, you know, we, we go back to Standing Rock, but you also go back to the uh to North Dakota fight for uranium and, uh, you know, what's changed uh, other than social media? Well, I mean, first of all, I would say that this is more aggressive than my in my history, you know, and I've been around a long time now and I'm old. But, you know, I never saw anything like what I saw this last couple of years, which kind of is like late stage addiction issues. Like where you just got to have that pipeline because you feel like it's going to be the thing you need. And we don't even get the oil from it, but you just ramp everything up. And they learned from Standing Rock, $38 million worth of military repression against people out there. And then Minnesota's like, well, we aren't going to do that. We're just going to let, you know, Enbridge pay for it. And so, 
you know, for instance, I was charged, you know, being in my lodge. I was on my in my lodge on the Mississippi River. And then they put the no trespassing signs up as I was sitting in the lodge and then charged me with trespassing. And I was like, who's trespassing? And I was told by a DNR officer, normal people. No, he said normal people. I said, is that a legal designation? I mean, this is like a made up bunch of laws for a Canadian corporation. And I'm mad as heck. And, and I want some accountability. And, and um, you, know, it's, it's, you know, it's a shame that Minnesota didn't learn anything from George Floyd and instead militarized the North as well, you know? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we're, we're all over Turtle Island, and, uh, and we, we'll be playing this on uh, Native Roots Radio, which is all over. We're Wisconsin. We're on 12 stations live. We got a, a big coverage in Wisconsin. Winona, they need to be aware of Line 5 because we saw what happened to us in Line 3, correct? Right. And people are going to come on the show today to talk about exactly how egregious the crime is by Embridge against Mother Earth and against people. we got people who have been doing the job of the state of Minnesota out there checking the water, you know, when the state should be checking that and, you know, and, and, and finding out what's going on. And then we got, you know, the fact that they are brash. I mean, they're mad at, at in Wisconsin that the Bad River Band has said you got to pull the pipe out. You know, because they're trespassing for all these years in the prime watershed, the only place these people got. And then in addition, did you see that Enbridge actually ran someone for the governor? I mean, they ran Tim Michaels for the governor of Wisconsin. Now, he didn't win, but geez, that's getting like super brash when you not only control the police of one state, but then you run someone for the governor. And so I think this is a a really dangerous corporation for the state of Minnesota and you know, not just Nishinaabe people, but for all of us. So that's right. Deport Embridge. There's our, there's our fearless Jill Ferguson. I mean, that is it, you know, deport that, that Canadian corporation. And there's more Canadian corporations where that one came from, but you know, so much for saying the Canadians are nice. I I'm calling BS on that one. Hey, Winona, that's a, for our radio audience uh, listening to this, let's get the uh, call to action out there. Honor, honorearth.org slash stop dash embridge that's honor.org slash stop dash embridge we need uh people that need to it's a call to action jump on that page and um see what you can do correct no that is exactly right please do please please jump up jump on the page and then we're going to give you some more resources to look at but you know a lot of us are still facing charges in aiken county you know, and what's up, Aiken County? Why why won't you just let us go? Acknowledge us for being the heroes that we are instead of continuing to pursue us in, in, in Aiken County. You know, so please go to your the call of action here and, and uh, join with us in, in, in challenging, you know, the unjustness of all of this. How an energy corporation, a rogue corporation gets to arrest a bunch of people for the benefit of making some profits at the at the end of the fossil fuel era in a time of climate crisis you know i was like this is egregious this is totally egregious so you know i'm glad that we're on here today we're going to be talking to some cool people like some of my favorite people of all are on today and and you know in the age of Streamyard or whatever this is you get to see <laughs> your friends without traveling way up there into the bush wherever it is that my friend tara house is yeah you're right here yeah, well, I'm revving up my teepee and uh, going to, uh, she's got the land back going on up there. That's uh, beautiful. So, uh, you know, we got like a minute left before we take a quick uh, station break here, Winona. Uh, one of the things that I really want to ask you, and maybe we can ask the lawyers, I feel like from my comfortable little couch here in St. Paul, Minnesota, 
that you are being uh, used as an example. What do you what do you f- think about that? Oh, let me just give you a perfect example. Um, on Wadena County, Shell River, I'm, you know, I'm appointed by the tribe as a guardian at Lightham for the Shell River. I camp on the Shell River. I'm arrested with six other women on the Shell River. Charges are dropped against all of those women except for me. I was like, and I'm still facing, I'm, collectively, I'm facing five years in prison for the charges of being a water protector. You know, and a lot of those are out of Wadena County. And so, yeah, I don't understand why they would not, you know, they dropped the charges against all the other cool people who came to defend the river from someplace else. But no, Wadena County got has to keep me right in there, you know. And so I do feel like, you know, what are you trying to do? Make a case out of it, you know, and say, look, you know, to see what happens if you're like Winona, you're going to spend time in jail. So five years is what I'm looking at, state of Minnesota. You know, I mean, this is it's totally ridiculous that 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 I would face these charges. And my, you know, my case is, you know, there are people, there are young people facing serious felony charges that they're trying to destroy their lives. And that's wrong. You know, that's wrong. You know, our lives should not be destroyed for a, a multinational energy corporation. You know, we're doing the right thing. And I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be a water protector and really glad to be here today to share with, you know, a bunch of other folks on, on a little bit of our story. Exactly. Hey, Winona, we're going to take a quick uh, 15 second station break for our our outside listeners to uh, do what they need to do and, and give their, their radio calls. But we're going to come back in 15 seconds starting now. Hey, we're with Winona LaDuke. Hey, we're coming back here. We're with Winona LaDuke. And we are, you know, part of me is it's hard for me to say, Winona, it feels like a celebration, but it's really not a celebration. It's it's not a celebration at all. We are here protecting Mother Earth, and we are talking about our uh, rally for the Rivers Reunion, you know, and we have guests coming on here, and we have Frank, and I want to hand this over to you. My attorneys are here. Thank God. (laughs) I want to hand this over to you in the next 10 minutes and take it from here because I think there's really some important uh, questions and answers that need to happen, and we just lost one, Nona. How did we do that? Or there, what? Somebody removed you. Do you mind taking this uh, segment over, Winona? These are a couple of my favorite people. They're saving me from that jail time right now. <laughs> so we have Claire Glenn. She came to work from us with, with us and has been taking a lot of these line three cases, and we're very grateful to her. She's been my attorney in, 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 in Aiken. And then Frank Bebo, attorney for most of the tribal water protectors. And so um, you guys, tell like we there were a lot of people charged. And a number of those cases have been dropped or dismissed. That's is that right? And then some of them, you know, tribal members in a different situation. Anyway, tell us a little bit about it. All right, I'll just start a little bit. Um, you know, line three goes through a lot of northern Minnesota, and a lot of what it went through was through Chippewa ceded territories, and people were transferred under the uh, setup that we had to a lot of the counties along the route of line three. But we had two counties that were a little more resistant. One was Hubbard, and that seems to have come along. And Aiken County is still standing out there and doesn't want to really look at things in the right way. And so we're we're dealing about we're dealing with Aiken County right now today. The tribal water protectors in many of these counties were transferred over to Whiter's Tribal Court and Red Lake Tribal Court. That paused for a while. We're going to get that restarted because there are tribal members who haven't had their cases transferred. But that's one of the big differences, the way we use tribal sovereignty here 
versus Standing Rock. And so by using those tribal rights, rights of Monoman, the right to travel, use, and occupy, we were preparing for what we saw happen at Standing Rock. But obviously, there was a lot more that happened here. Um, and so we're still plugged in for the future. You look at the Wadukawad people, they're working on all the uh, all the infrared flyover information for the for the thermal imaging where all the water has fracked out from all these river crossings that still need to be addressed and line five. And so the work that we've done is going to continue over to line five. And that's what's important here as well. I'll let Claire talk about some of this now. Thanks, Frank. Um, and thanks for having us, Robert, and for that kind introduction, Winona. Um, I, I think, you know, Winona really highlighted how during pipeline construction, the law enforcement response to water protectors here was really extreme and was meant to suppress and scare protesters. Um, hundreds of people were arrested and jailed, and ultimately about a thousand criminal cases were filed, which is a lot when we're talking about rural northern Minnesota. Um, we're now, you know, about one to two years out, and there are only about 100 criminal cases that are still open. And, you know, there's a few different reasons for that. Um, some people have fought their cases in court and won. Um, Shanai Madison, who I know is going to be on later, had an amazing victory mid-trial uh, because the court recognized there was so little evidence against her that the court just dismissed the case in the middle of the trial. We've, we've also seen, you know, prosecutors in other counties, as Frank mentioned, that have been, you know, seeing the writing on the wall. And I think recognizing the damage that Enbridge did. Um, and so water protectors in some counties have been able to negotiate dismissals. And, you know, of course, it hasn't been all roses. And, and there have been some serious criminal sanctions that people have faced. And people are still being targeted and, and paying the price. Wow. Yeah, you know, how many people in the last year or two years have been, you know, how many cases are still open? This is this is unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's a lot. And I would note too that, you know, Aiken County is one of the most egregious counties in a lot of different ways. It's a county where we saw some of the most extreme and egregious policing. And it's also a county where we have, you know, of those 100 cases that are still open across the state, almost half of those are in Aiken County alone. Um, you know, Aiken County is a place where the sheriff was the leader of the Northern Lights Task Force, which was formed to coordinate policing across jurisdictions. And we've gotten public records requests that have shown that the sheriff Sheriff Guida in Aiken County and other Northern Lights Task Force members were directly coordinating with Enbridge representatives on everything from trying to influence the reimbursements that police were receiving to trainings and intelligence and surveillance. Um, you know, and more recently, Sheriff Guida even detained and threatened to arrest two attorneys simply for trying to serve him with a subpoena for him to testify in one of these water protector cases, which is normally a routine task in any criminal case. Um, I would encourage folks to check out the reporting that Simon Davis Cohen has done in multiple articles in Truth Out. Um, and I think those uh, will be linked at some point. But he's done some really stellar investigative journalism exposing law enforcement specifically in, in Aiken County. And I really encourage folks to check out his work. 
So, Frank, can we talk a little bit about uh, the cases that have been won and what the what the heck? I mean, people have been uh, sent uh, tickets in the mail uh, for looking at them in social media. I mean, can we talk a little bit about that? Well, the cases that have been won that I would call being won, we're starting to work through the pipeline at White Earth Tribal Court. We had set up jurisdiction across the 1855 ceded territory. A lot of these tribal water protectors cases were transferred to White Earth. The White Earth uh, prosecutor um, went through with the cases. Uh, Claire represented a number of those water protectors. And ultimately, the tribal judge also issued a decision explaining how our tribal rights actually work. Treaties are the supreme law of the land and dismissed those cases properly at White Earth. Judge Metzen, um, who's handling most of the tribal water protectors, she's recognized that White Earth was following through on those prosecutions and those counties were in acceptance of that and we're trying to get back onto that track. But that's really, in a way, the most important part for me because the second phase of that, which we hadn't had a chance to get to yet, and it has been tried, is the invited guest defense. Because if we have treaties and we have a right to hunt, fish, and gather the natural resources across the lands, then like other places where they consider them property, they consider those property rights, then we should have the right to defend our property. And if you have a house or a home that's on fire and you want someone to help you, your friends to help you defend your property and put the fire out, they're invited guest defense. And that's what these people were, all of these water protectors. They also had a spiritual calling. You know, it's 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 a different calling. It happened at Standing Rock as well. And so really, you're talking about First Amendment rights. You're talking about the American Indian Religious Freedoms Act. And those are the kind of concepts that we've been using to combat this and why a lot of these cases have been dismissed along the way. And the ones that haven't, there's been a nice pool of attorneys from across the United States who have been helping out here. And they've had various strategies going forward and, and still going forward. And we're having cases dismissed and getting a lot better deals. And there'll be discussion about how that's going on as well. So so while this is going on, we have been strengthening sovereignty along the way. This isn't what happened at Standing Rock. And we're not done because our ceded territories here for those of us who are Ojibwe or Anishinaabe or Chippewa, our ceded territories go from North Dakota to Michigan. And so we're plugged into defending our resources in, in, uh, in and across Wisconsin and right over into Michigan across the waters. So, you know, I think the people are prepared to stand up more when they know that there's a legal defense for their rights. We couldn't stop the police because the police were being funded ahead of time. And that's a critical part here. Police don't necessarily enforce laws. They make a judicial call by the road when they've got someone. When you're being funded to do this, you're just throwing any discretion out the window and you're doing what Enbridge was paying for. That's the real concern. Finally, the point I want to make about what's coming with Aiken is the Talon mine, Tamarack, Rio Tinto, whatever you want to call it. They call it the Green New Deal, but the Green New Deal relies on resources that are very, very hard to find and unfortunately are in northern Minnesota. And that's why we have all these mining cases going on and all the endangering of the waters in the same exact way. In this case, you've got both line three and Talon Mine in the same county. And the same place that got funded for Line 3 wants to get funded to defend Aiken County for the mining. Hey, I got a quick question. We got like two minutes left. I mean, 
the proof's in the pudding. How can someone like Winona still be up for charges when she was correct? I mean, we have all those frack outs. We have uh, pipelines leaking. Um, how How is that even logical? Well, you know, we think of things being legal and legitimate. The problem is, is we're usually not interacting with the court system very frequently. We're not criminals, so we misunderstand how the legal system and process works. What really happens is things that are unlawful, like the pollution of Minnesota, are legitimized by the PUC, by the DNR, by the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency. That's where the problem really lies. And, and so we're falling into this category where those people are allowing the worst polluters to go out and do this. Even if they're fined $14 million, we're going to pay at the pump to pay for their fine. I'm doing good. I mean, I'm back home after a long, long time away, back in the woods, back by the lake. Wow, Tara, you know, we are excited to have you on. I haven't seen you. Uh, well, I guess I have. I am seeing you, but I've seen I've been in meetings with you, but I have not seen you in person. Congratulations on all the good things that are happening to you with your baby and uh, all the things that are, are happening in a good way for you. Um, Let's uh, talk a little bit about a, a call to action, Tara. What what does that look like, and how do we how do we move forward on that? I mean, I think there's a couple different calls to action as far as like the river contamination and like continuing to push the Army Corps of Engineers and stuff like that. But when it comes to defendants, uh, which is you know why why I'm here to try to try to be a, a voice of a defendant, um, I think it's like you know Keith Ellison's back in office. You know, he's got his job, so keep pushing him as hard as we possibly can. You know, like this is, here we are two years later for for a lot of us. For me, I'm, it's been over two years. And I mean, we're talking serious level state repression, you know, and intentional repression uh, by the prosecutor's office in Aiken County and in other counties. Um, you know, thinking about what's coming down the line, which is going to be some of the police brutality cases, you know, like the two of the felony defendants from Macon County, for instance, I think about seeing those young people, very young people. One of them is just about to finish college right now and looking at years, years because of their felony. Um, Sheriff Dan Guida had 10 people, including Enbridge workers, wrap ropes around their uh, feet and pull them out of a pipeline. They scrape their bodies in horrible, 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 um, you know, injuries, abrasions on their skin, bleeding, and just the the the, the sheer level of violence that happened there. And to to see these charges continuing on, is just like you know, what what kind of values are we are we really showing that, you know, somebody that is trying to put their body on the line for the river, for the water, for the future of every living being on this planet, is treated like that. When, you know, these are nonviolent crimes, we're not hurting anybody. We're trying to protect people. So hit up Keith. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and also there's a a petition that you can sign that's on drop line three. That's the number three charges.com. 
and that's uh, flood the courts. Let's get the petition out there. Um, again, drop line number three charges.com and sign that petition. When it, you know, something else that, um, you know, you might have some thoughts about too, um, Tara, is that, you know, what we did, a lot of us got misdemeanor charges in Minnesota, but in Wisconsin, you stand there, you're going to get a felony because Enbridge succeeded in making a, you know, as it's called the ALEC laws. There's like a whole bunch of states that pass these laws that make it, you know, even harder to, to exercise any First Amendment rights. And, um, you know, that kind of criminalization of any dissent for the benefit of fossil fuel companies is super dangerous to you know, any semblance of democracy. Yeah, and I mean, it's actually not just fossil fuels either. I mean, Alec works for all kinds of different um, entities to, to continue to push against the rights to demonstrate. I mean, that's really their goal is they want to continue their militarization of not just the police, but also the, the I think, the fear mongering and the uh, repression of, of the court system and people's rights. You know, I mean, they, they want criminal repression that you see someone like, you know, Steve Donziger just like finally, finally got released off of, um, you know, being on a home monitor for, for how long, right? For defending the rights of indigenous people down in Ecuador. I mean, that's, you look at Jessica De Jessica Rez Reznicek. I mean, she's in prison right now for protecting the water over against Dakota Access Pipeline. Um, and it's it's not just fossil fuels. It's you know Black Lives Matter protests. It's um, you know the right to choose. It's any sort of uh, engagement of civil society of people about our rights to live. Um, I mean, there's some, there's some pretty serious crackdowns happening. You know, I think about Alec, it brings me back to years when we were still, years ago when we were looking at line three. And I remember being in the Minnesota legislature at around like, I think it was 1130 at night. There was just a few people left. They're all sitting on the dais because they tried to pass one of those felony protest bills here. Tried like seven different times to do it and they, they, they failed every time. But I remember it was like 1130 at night and the legislators are all tired and they're arguing back and forth and back and forth. There's just a few of us watching and the Democrats have the minority, but they're still saying, you know, can we get this one word taken out? You know, can we get one word taken out of the bill? And finally, the Republicans that's that's leading up the bill says, you know what? Fine. You get your word. And I watched the Alec oil representative walk up to the dais, whisper into that legislator's ear and then walk back. And the guy says, you know, what? actually, I, I take that back. We need that word. I mean, you're literally watching an oil lobbyist whispering into the ear of a state legislator. You know, that's what happens at 1130 at night in the Minnesota legislature, apparently, because I saw it. Wow. Hey, uh, Tara, we're with Tara Hauska here, and uh, we want everyone to remember to go to Dropline3, the number three, charges.com. You know, I, I, I'm 61 years old, and I remember all the talk about uh, – how South, you know, Sun City in South Africa, we in the United States have been living through that uh, and as indigenous people for 500 years. And it, it, so we're not kidding anyone. This is not anything new, correct? No. And I mean, I think there's like a, I was just at a, I, I went um, for my first thing kind of back off of maternity leave. I went over to um, the Human Rights Defenders, Frontline Defenders Conference over in uh, Ireland. 
and they hadn't really included a lot of representatives from North America and Canada before, because there's this kind of like understanding that you know, brutality around the globe is considerably worse, right? I mean, like not not pain compliance, but they'll, I mean, they'll they will actually like physically maim you in other places for standing up for your rights. But this year they did. I was there for uh, what happened over in line three. And there was a representative from Wet'suwet'en, uh, Slato, was there. And I think it was like kind of eye-opening for a lot of these folks to realize that these powers that are all over the globe, right? Like the, the um, colonization and presence of U.S. military and U.S. influence all over the globe that causes so much harm to so many people um, if you're on the wrong side of an issue. Uh, is here too, right? Like we're, we're pushing back. We're trying to protect what we have left because they're coming for the last of it. Um, I think it was pretty shocking for them to realize the level of surveillance harassment that is present here. You know, this is like an intensely militarized um, security situation when it comes to pushing back. Yeah. Um, so we have empty courtrooms and when these cases are happening, how can our listening audience and people watching this all over Turtle Island support that? What is, is what ways can they support that? Can they show up and how do we, how do we get them to know about all this? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's usually, we, we've actually been doing a lot of court rallies over the last year. Um, some of us did continue on with our court support work, um, move from jail support into court support, had a lot of different gatherings for different folks in the, in the court system. Um, you can physically show up if you want. You can, uh, you know, share the hashtags. You can sign the petitions. You know, you can make calls to the governor's office. I would recommend making calls to the attorney general's office um, so they know it's an issue and it continues to be an issue. Um, those are substantive ways to help, you know, that these folks stood up for your, for your water, too. You know, well, just it, to say Scott Bowl has case coming up on, on the 11th, right? Um, you know, so we have some cases coming up and I know that my case is on February 24th. There's a bunch of people whose cases are coming up and you can go in person to some of those counties. And and I have to just say, I was up in Grand Rapids a couple of days ago and they are expanding the prison and expanding the courtrooms. <clears throat> so, you know, that's the other thing is, is that it's not just about these cases. It's like, seems that there's like a lot of money involved in putting more people in prison and having more court in the North. And I think that, you know, those kind of questions really need to be asked about civil society. What are we doing here? That's your economic development plan, Grand Rapids. Put in a new jail. I mean. Exactly. Exactly. And Tara, um, you know, we, you and Winona and many people here have been arrested for the good of the, the world and the good of uh, our indigenous people. Uh, we just need to keep talking about this and um what what else can you tell our people that are listening all over turtle island i mean i think it's important to understand like social change is not easily made right it's it's important to understand that people didn't just go to line three to get arrested that when we took those actions they were not just about getting arrested and you know standing in front of a, a machine for a day or whatever and stopping it for that day yeah you did actually get to do that you got to you got to make a multinational company stop work for a day, maybe, you know? Um, you got people to see and to, to, to bear witness to the destruction of the sacred, you know? Um, but I think like, it's also important to know, like 
because of those actions, we had the Army Corps of Engineers out here twice walking these lands, seeing the wild rice, seeing the drought, seeing the, the, the frack outs at the rivers. You know, that's, that's enormous pressure to, to go from the, you know, grubby little band of campers out in the woods <laughs> facing down a riot line. And then you got the White House nervous, you know, and I mean, and their top advisors talking to you directly about their concerns about civil unrest. I mean, these are the people that are making the decisions, right? Like, it's not, it's not, um, it's not like we're, we're making these, we're taking these actions without thought. And I think the, the, the larger, the larger look at everything, the ripples that are created is, you know, you're inspiring people to, there is something you can do. I think in, in movement, especially around climate, like it just feels so overwhelming. What can I do? How can I help? You know what I mean? It's, it's this enormous existential question. And I signed the petitions and I sent in my letter and I called my legislator and we pushed through this bill. We did this and we did that. And we're still in the same boat. There is something else you can do. You can treat the earth like a relative and show up for your relative that's being harmed. You know, that's a very different action. I think that when you see people on the line like that, you know, you watch that spark of connectivity pass between them, between the relative that's in harm and the person that's standing in the way. Um, you know, that's that's heart change, right? Like that's more than just uh, pushing on the legislators and the, the financiers and all the rest of the industry. This is State Senator Mary Kunish. I am a state senator in Minnesota representing communities just nestled between Minneapolis and St. Paul. I'm serving my second term in the Minnesota Senate, having spent two years here already and then four years in the Minnesota House prior to that. For the last uh, 25 years, I was a teacher, a library media specialist. And so a lot of the work that I will be doing and focusing on in the Minnesota Senate will be around education. My uh, family is descendants of the Standing Rock Nation. So a lot of the work that I also will be doing and have done are for our Indian nations. I have created the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women's Task Force. Uh, We created a permanent office of the Missing and Murdered Relatives in our state office. We will be passing for sure um, legislation to create a reward pool to help that office, but also to look at the cold cases of our missing relatives. And uh, one way that I thought about uh, fully funding our uh, <clears throat> our office is to have a statewide specialty license plate for our missing and murdered Indigenous relatives that anyone in the state can purchase. We already have a couple of license plate, and I have them hanging up here in my my um, office. Two of our tribes have uh, taken the lead and created the. Um, the, their own uh, license plate, Boys Fort is one of them. And uh, we'll be looking for ways to continue to address the needs of our communities. One of the ways that we will be doing that is to update our MIFPA statutes. That's the Minnesota Indian uh, Family Preservation Act 
here in Minnesota. It is a version of the ICWA laws, Indian Child Welfare uh, laws here in Minnesota. And um, we know very well that um, right now uh, the Indian Child Welfare Act is uh, under assault, shall we say. And um, this summer we started working on ensuring that if ICWA were to go away, that um, the Minnesota Indian Family Preservation Act would be uh, would be strong enough that we could continue to do the work through the tribes of preserving families, um, addressing foster care, uh, out of home placement, all of those things. If the uh, ICWA laws go away. And so that has been uh, a big focus of mine. I uh, asked our Senate research to go through that act earlier this year and look for areas that we could bolster it and update it. They did that. And then there is this incredible working uh, group of, of lawyers and um, practitioners and experts that have been working on uh, looking at those that uh, the statute as well, and they have their own recommendations. And so we're going to merge those two and put together um, probably a state-of-the-art uh, statute to preserve our, our Indian families. And uh, we're hoping, and I think some of the other states are already waiting to, to hear and see the good work that we are doing. Um, some of the other work that we're doing here in Minnesota really uh, focuses on the diversity of our uh, communities. Minnesota is becoming more and more diverse. We actually have the most diverse legislature um, to date here in Minnesota. And we just elected a whole bunch of new folks that um, are going to solidify transgender rights, we plan to, um, to ban conversion therapy. We want to put safeguards um, for abortion access. We um, are very much looking at legalizing marijuana for recreation and medicinal use. And with that will come the expungement of felonies and offenders that uh, were imprisoned or have records because of uh, marijuana use or or um, sales, but um, we have just a really dynamic group of of two hundred and one legislative members here in Minnesota, and of those uh, thirty five of the lawmakers are lawmakers of color, twelve of them all of them are Democrats, are part of our LGBTQ community. And for the first time, we have a black woman who will who is representing in the Minnesota Senate. Actually, there are three of them. So three uh, black women for the very first time serving in the Minnesota Senate. Uh, five of our, black, our uh, lawmakers of color are Republicans, which is great. They are not in the Minnesota Senate. They're in the Minnesota House. But um, it's important to remember that, um, that um, diversity in your legislators, in your elected official, are the best way to, to have representation and make sure that 
that we're elevating the voice of um, all of our folks of color, whether we're progressive or whether we're um, more on the conservative. Um, we have uh, the, the majority Democrats are in control of both the legislative chambers, so the House and the Senate, and the governor's office as well. It's the first time in eight years. And so with this hat trick or trifecta, it's going to really allow us to pass proposals that we've been working on hoping for for, for a number of years. And so this will be the year that we do that um, ban on conversion therapy. It's really a top priority for our LGBTQ community members and legislators. Um, and, and really safeguarding the abortion access. It has really vast implications for our LGBTQ community. And, you know, it's, it's not for our government to decide, but it's for ourselves to decide what we do with our body and what our core values are. And we don't want to have that overreach of state government. And so that makes the abortion issue important to discussions around transgender rights and the right to receive gender-affirming care. And we heard that this, this week when I invited students from all over Minnesota to come to the Capitol or zoom into our uh, Education Finance Committee meeting and tell us about uh, what it's like to be going to school these days in Minnesota what are some of the barriers? What are some of the good things that are happening? And what would their message be? And one of the things that really came out loud and clear is uh, the importance to, of providing mental health resources to the students as well as to, the, uh, to our staff members. And I was really pleased to see our students advocating for their teachers. We heard them say that teachers need to be paid more, that, legis- uh, that our teaching assistants uh, should be treated better, that they should also have um, better pay, but also that, that they're, they recognize that their teachers are doing the very best work that they can in the best way. Um, they would like to find ways to reduce school violence and address those mental health issues. The one interesting thing was a number of the students talked about feeling disconnected and um, uh, the, the lack of connection not only to their school but their classmates because of, um, you know, the isolation of the last couple of years. And so one student spoke about how she doesn't know how to talk to her classmates and other people anymore the way they used to because... You know, they were home, the students were home, they did a lot of the the work um, on their mobiles, their telephones, their computers. So there's lots and lots of work to do here in Minnesota and across our nation when it comes to addressing the needs of our students. But I think I'm almost out of time, so I'm going to be handing it back over to Robert here in a minute. But I just want to say wopilatanka uh, um, to all of you, chimigwich, pinigigi, whatever language it is. Thank you so much for dialing in and listening to us and make sure that, um, that you are reaching out to your elected officials and letting them know what's important to you and how they can best represent your communities. Take care, everyone.